Good morning and welcome to the Yongsan Baptist Church English Sunday School class this last Sunday of May 2023. We will finish up, hopefully, we'll see, the lesson we started last week and it was Joshua's last will and testament from Joshua chapter 23 and 24. Last week we did the um, Roman numeral 1. We talked about Joshua chapter 23 as Joshua's final warning to the leaders. And then we, we went through how he was requiring them to remember what God had done, remember what God had said, and remember what God would do. Then we got into the Roman numeral 2, Joshua's last witness to the people. We started working our way through chapter 24. We saw that Joshua called all the people to Shechem. We talked about Shechem and how we've been talking about Shechem for a few weeks now. And then we saw that Joshua reviewed their history in verses 1 through 13, how God had chosen Israel, God had delivered Israel, God had guided Israel, and God gave them their land in verses 11 through 13. And now we're going to pick up at number, or at letter B under Roman numeral 2, and see that Joshua not only reviewed their history, but in verses um, 14 through 33, he requires a commitment. Joshua requires a commitment. So let's look at verses 14 through 18 to see the decision. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our, uh, yeah, brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great things in our sight, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore we, will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And so we see the decision here. Surely you, you, you see from this passage and from the rest of the Bible that we have to serve God honestly. And we have to put away idols. And that's what um, Joshua says here in verse 14. We have to serve God honestly and put away idols. And in our time, idols aren't just little handmade figurines that are images of other gods. An idol is anything that you hold more dear than the Lord God. And anything that can get in your way of serving the Lord, worshiping the Lord, obeying the Lord, those things are idols in your life. That thing could be your job. That thing could be your spouse. That thing could be your hobby. It could be your own convenience. It could be sleep, it could be fitness, it could be food. If you allow anything to be more important than your relationship with the Lord, be it your own quiet time, be it the, the obedience to assemble at, at church like you're supposed to, be that the getting in the way of, of witnessing or getting in the way of any anything that is obedience to the Lord, any of those things you feel in your heart of hearts are more important to you, that thing is an idol. And that has to be confessed and has to be put away. And then in verse 15, we have to choose. We have a choice. We are different than the angels. We are different than the animals. We are the only creation of God that has a choice 
to know God and to choose to know and obey God. And that sets us apart from everything and everyone else. And the most glorious decision that you can make is to choose to love God, to choose to believe God, to choose to obey God. And that's also the greatest form of worship to Him, is to willingly, not fearfully, but willingly, lovingly obey the Lord your God because of what He's done and what He's promised He's going to do. So then the people responded in verses 16 through 18 there, the people responded with, we will serve the Lord. They said it outright, and they were probably honest and sincere at this point. But we know, because we have the whole canon of Scripture, no matter how many times they were sincere in their commitment, they couldn't keep it, or they wouldn't keep it, or their kids wouldn't keep it, or their kids wouldn't keep it. <clears throat> but Joshua made it very clear, neutrality was not an option. And that's just as true for us today as it was for the children of Israel. Neutrality, when it comes to choosing God or um, or denying God. There is no center. There is no fence to ride. There is no, I'm going to stay out of this fight. You either choose God or you choose death. Everyone will worship. We are made as human beings. Part of our creation, part of what God designed us for is to worship. So we cannot help but worship. The only question that we get to choose is who or what will be the object of our worship. And you can see this in any country around the world where you turn on a television and or turn up or pull up a YouTube video of any sport activity or of any award show for celebrities. And you look as the camera pans to the crowd. They're worshiping. Those people are in abject worship but they're worshiping other people and then there are people who worship nature and people who worship animals and people who worship themselves we are made to worship and we will worship but there is only one true sort of the object of our worship only one worthy object of our worship and that's the Lord Jesus Christ and Father God the triune Godhead if we are not worshiping the one true worthy God, then all of our worship is in vain. And in fact, it leads us away from the ability for our worship to be pure. So the decision there has to be to choose God, to choose to serve God, not just worshiping Him, but serving Him. That's obedience in action. And then number two here under letter B is the devotion. That's verses 19 through 28. Verses 19 through 28. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Ooh. If we forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, sorry, if ye, <laughs> I'm speaking to myself here, but if, if ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves, that ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, saying it again, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute 
and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there, uh, there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every one, unto his inheritance. Joshua warned them, verses 19 and 20. You can't serve the Lord if your heart is pulled in two directions. And the, the, that warning was immediately, so I've got it written down here in my Bible, the three times from verses 18 through 24 that the people said that they will serve the Lord. We will, we also, we will also, will, sorry, therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Verse 21, we will serve the Lord. And then, half of that in verse 22, we are witnesses against ourselves, and then in verse 24, the Lord our God will be served, as his, and his voice we will obey. So they said it three times, right? That's the divine number of, 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 of times to say something. The people reiterated their decision, and then Joshua and the people make a covenant and set up a memorial. And memorials are a good thing. Memorials are uh, a great way for us to remind ourselves, especially in communion with others. Right, A memorial for yourself is one thing, but a memorial amongst a group is combined accountability. And memorials are very good things to set up to remind you when you see them, oh yeah, oh yeah, God's good, God is great, God has done these things, he requires this of me, and I said I was going to do this. It's not the same as tying a string around your finger to remember that chore you need to get back to, but it's, the concept is there. There's nothing wrong with God's people memorializing what he has done. The problem comes when we begin to worship the monument or worship the moment, and then that becomes idolatrous. And that's a great pitfall of Israel. And the reason, as pastor says so many times, the reason we are given this in Scripture, all of the poor choices and the bad habits and the horrible frustrations of the children of Israel. It's there for our example. It's there for our admonition. It's there as a warning that this is in the heart of man as a potential when you're faced with decisions. You, we all have the potential to be just as unholy and disobedient and irreverent and ignorant as the children of Israel were. And it should be as we continue to search the scriptures daily, we should have this, these um, reminders for us that these are not just tied to the Israelites or even today to the Israelis, right? They're, they're tied to the heart of man. And it's an example for us to realize that, wow, I have the potential to do that, to say one thing and do another. And I have to guard against that because it's bound to happen if I let myself not be as close to the Lord as I have to, as I should be. But then number three, we also we also see not just the decision, the devotion, but the deaths in verses 29 through 33. So in 29 we see it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath-Serah, which is in Mount Ephraim, on the on the north side of the hill of Gosh. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. And the bones of Joseph, 
which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for an hundred pieces of silver. And it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eliezer the son of Aaron died, and they buried him in the hill that pertained to Phinehas his son, which was given him in Mount Ephraim. There were three deaths mentioned here. Joshua, Eliezer, and Joseph. And Moses named a successor, which was Joshua, but Joshua did not. This is an interesting difference between the two of them. I mean, there are many things when you compare and contrast the lives of Moses and Joshua, the power of God through them, the number of miracles, um, the fact that Moses was uh, a deliverer, Joshua was the, the, the man of war, right? So the different aspects that God chose to, rep to uh, reveal himself through these two men and how they led but Joshua did not choose a, a successor. And that's a possible reason for the very next book of Judges for why the children of Israel plunged into idolatry so quickly was there was not a successor for Joshua to lead the people in accordance with the Lord's um, guidance and judgment and, um, and to have someone that's fully committed to the Lord and then God had to himself raise up judges. But it was because the people left to themselves when each individual one and each collective tribe and the entirety of, the, of Israel were supposed to live in what was a theocracy. God was supposed to be the head. God was had already set all of the rules, and they just had to live in accordance with them. And everyone had their collective position and their, and their role to play. And... If everyone did what God had commanded, they would never need a leader. But the problem is, no one could ever do what God, all of what God had commanded. No one could ever even do half of what God had commanded. And that, that plays to our, you know, our um, Wednesday night messages about Romans. And what we're seeing, the, 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 Paul says over and over and over again, the law is not beautiful. We talk about Ebal and Gerizim, right? The law and the blessing are not on the same side. The law is not there to get you to heaven. It's to get you to see your sin that the sacrifice, the only perfect sacrifice, because those constant atonements that Israel had to do were just cover-ups. They could never actually absolve them of their sin. But it was a picture pointing forward, right? But the law was there to get them to look to God, to say, I'm completely inadequate. I can't do this on my own and I have to be subservient to God. And in that system, had they followed it, and they, had they strived to follow the law that God had laid out with him as their head, maybe they wouldn't have fallen into this situation. But as soon as they forgot, as soon as they started justifying their sin, as soon as they started um, you know, loving their delinquencies more than their discipline, then it all fell into idolatry and sin to the, to the point that we see some of the greatest miracles of the Bible under Moses and Joshua, and we see some of the most detestable acts of man in the history of the world in the book of Judges. And it doesn't even take one generation, maybe two, right? Sad, sad commentary. Um, we don't really have time to get through all of the rest of what we have here. Uh, I did have, um, Roman numeral three is Joshua's life in review by Warren Wiersbe. So we may do this next week. 
just because it's a great culminating concept of the whole book of Joshua that we've looked at as an encouragement of being courageous. It's a great book that, I mean, if we're, we've studied through it in, what, nine, ten weeks now to go through all of these chapters, all 24 chapters, but it's something you could easily read through in a week, right? You could, you could read through the book of Joshua in a study. You could do it multiple times, and that's what we're really driving at here. You know, we spent a year and a half talking about um, creation and evolution and how we can trust the word because the word and science actually agree. When you can look at each of them objectively, when you're not trying to take the Bible out of context, the Bible and science agree. When you're not trying to start science with illogical assumptions that do not allow for the truth of scripture to be true, then your science is faulty. But if you objectively approach science, the two of them agree. They will always agree because the God who created everything is both the God of, the, of our faith and the God of science. But we, we got through that to then look at the concept of, of studying the Bible and how important it is to study the Bible because you can't believe when you talk about the great debate of creation and evolution, you can't stand on nothing. If you're ignorant to what you actually think you believe or say you believe, right, or what your faith is founded on. If you're ignorant to this, then you have no substance with which to give an answer, right? The apologia. You have to be ready to give an answer, which means you have to study. And so we talked about Bible study for several weeks and why it's important and why we can trust the Word of God. And so then, now we're in this concept of this is what it would look like. This is how you can go through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through a Bible and get all of these nuggets that don't just apply to them in their time, but they bridge the gap to our time and they apply to us now. And so we're, we'll finish up uh, with, a, with an overview of Joshua's life and kind of bring out some, some, um, some good things to remember next week and uh, then you know, see where we can go from there after having taken it down to a book. So we started with creation, and now we're down into the life of, of one person. You know, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been quite a ride over these last two years. But we'll see you next week to, um, to get back into this and to finish up reviewing Joshua, and thank you for your time and attention.